The Athletic. Lauren Hill. So difficult to stop. Oh! And then we'll go to Hada. And then Kampen there. in Hada. Miedema. Miedema van de Donk is mee. Miedema! Goal, 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 goal. Hello and welcome to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast Euros Edition. Coming up, Lena McGoll, there's the newspaper headline. And Alexandra Pop pops up with the goods for Germany again. Plus find out which player has a side hustle in bouncy castles. It's Lindsay Hooper here and joining me today is former Lioness and all-round Chelsea Arsenal and just footballing superstar generally, it's Katie Chapman. Katie, hello. Hi, how are you? Really good. I hear you have been frequenting the Box Park experience, which I think has gone up a level for this tournament. Yeah, it's been an amazing experience to be involved in and just to see, you know, how many people are coming out to watch the game and all different men, women, you know, there's children there. It's, it's a great atmosphere. Alongside Katie, you'll have heard her on the BBC this Thursday evening and on our preview show, it's commentator Vicky Sparks. Vicky, thank you for rushing away and for using your voice even further in this show. <laughs> My pleasure, Lindsay. Great to be with you. Oh, it's great to have you back on. Uh, we're going to talk Thursday's game in a moment. I know that we've got lots to say about that one, but we've got to start with the emotional roller coaster that is watching England on Wednesday night against Spain. They just got past them. And I'm wondering, have you both recovered, Katie? Well, just about, I think, recovered. To be honest, Spain had to turn up, didn't they? And they did. Um, that night England didn't play the best but you know what the only thing that matters is the result and that's what England got you know no one remembers the performance and I think for me Spain have been quite frustrated in this tournament you know not really scored many goals they've, they've possessed the ball quite well you know they're technically really really good but they just haven't got that final edge and Vicky for you you've had time to think about it a bit more now has your assessment of it changed at all no, I don't think so. I think I would agree with Katie that the result is the main thing. And and actually, somebody summed it up excellently on social media, and I wish I'd thought of it when I was doing the commentary for Five Live, but Spain brought their A game and England's B game was enough. And I think that that is so positive for England. I have to say, when you're commentating, you, you, you're focusing very professionally on, on what you're doing, but you cannot help being an England fan at the same time. And as an England fan... I tend to be very, I'm very short-sighted. So whatever the score is, I tend to think, yeah, th- this is this is going to be it. And I, I was, you know, as that game wore on and Spain were still just keeping the possession as we expected them to do, I was just thinking, I, I do not know where this goal is going to come from. But as soon as Millie Bright went up top, and we've seen England do this before, and it's it's also one of those, you know, Millie Casey will, will, will know better than most you know Millie started out as a striker like this, this isn't a let's just lump the centre half up up front and you know we'll, we'll send the goalkeeper forwards you know because because they're tall Millie has a huge amount of technical ability we see it as centre half now because that's where she's established with the distribution but she is somebody that actually it's, it's a very clever tactical move and we've seen England use it before and Spain just didn't know what to do the panic was there in the area and what a finish by Ella Toon, surpassed by what a finish from Georgia Stanway. But I, I just think it was such a good result for England. Of course it was because it sent them to, through to the semi-finals. But for England to be second best, because I, I think they were, and to still come through 
in hindsight, of course, you you know, you take a, a great win and playing Spain off the park, of course you would. But in hindsight, what that gives you in the bank for the rest of the tournament, that mental strength that if they go into a semi-final or a final and they're 1-0 down and it's late on or, or they're trailing or they've been outplayed, they didn't panic in that quarterfinal, but they can draw on that now and say, you know what, we've been here before in this tournament and actually it turned out all right. And I think that's massive. I, I think so too. I think Stanway, you're right. That was the wow moment. Millie Bright got the player of the match. And seeming as Katie, you played with Millie, I wanted to talk to you about Millie and her development over the last few years. I sat down with her on Monday and openly said, you are a different player in this England shirt than three years ago. And she said, yes, and I haven't even reached my potential yet. But what is it that you've noticed about her game? She's just grown and she's developed. You know, with Millie, you'll get everything from her. She'll give you absolutely everything and she'll leave everything on the pitch. And I think she's been one of their top players, you know, throughout this tournament so far. She's made critical tackles and interceptions you know she's always in the forefront of all of it what's happening in the defense and I think give credit to her you know sometimes we don't give the defenders the credit they, they're due and I think she's due that credit um from a midfield point of view I've also got to get your your opinion on the battle of the midfields would you say that Spain edged that area I mean it, it looked like they dominated more didn't it of the ball yeah definitely and I think they stopped Kira Walsh didn't they plan within that area now that's the area they wanted to block um, England planning, which I'm, I'm surprised at really because, you know, we usually like to play on the outsides because we've got the speed and stuff on the outside to get crosses into the box. But, you know, I think they did their homework, Spain, and I think they, you know, stopped what they needed to stop on the pitch. Obviously, they, they, they dominated the possession. I thought it was swings and roundabouts within the game, though. I think England got better once they conceded also. Mm. I think they had that bit between their teeth. Like, this is a quarterfinal of the Euros, you know. We lose this game, we're out. And I think they got that bit behind their teeth. I think Serena's done well with the subs and changing changing that and bringing them on to the game. I think they impacted the game massively. Um, and they got the result. Yeah. Well, let's round off with one word emotionally, how we were left feeling, because mine would be exhausted. Uh, Vicky? Oh, elated, but exhausted is a good one. I mean, it, it was knackering. <laughs> and we weren't even playing. <laughs> no, I know. You know what? At the very end, Vicky, I had to get to the flash position and I had someone else following me looking for guidance. Don't ever follow me at a stadium. Instead of turning right... I turned left, which meant we had to run around the whole stadium. And by the time I got to the flashpoint, I was out of breath. And that was embarrassing because there's Ella Toon <laughs> waiting. And she's just fine, absolutely fine. And I'm panting away. Um, Katie, you've had time to think now of your one word? I think proud. I'm proud. I'm yeah. proud of the team. I'm proud to be English. Brilliant, brilliant. We are going to leave that there. Time to move on to Thursday's action and turn our attention to West London. a huge mistake at the back what has Dinsberger done here she couldn't get the kick away and Alex Pop was able to convert it that is a big big mistake from Austria and Zinsberger who was making the goal kick it rebounded off Alex Pop and into the back of the net and that is surely Germany's semi-final place sealed they are leading by two goals to nil and it all came from a massive mistake by the Austrian goalkeeper Zinsberger Keen, I cannot believe what we've just seen here 
to Brentford then, where Germany and Austria faced off. And whilst the scoreline doesn't surprise, it was a tight game. Uh, Germany coming away 2-0 winners and reaching their 10th Women's Euro semi-final. Uh, more than any other side, they've managed to do that. But this was not straightforward. Vicky, you've been commentating on this one. Austria woodwork. That's all I've got to say. <laughs> Three times in the match they struck the woodwork. I mean, Germany did as well. Germany had chances to wrap it up. But I have to say, I think Austria will be so, so proud of how they played. They might not be proud right now because right now this will really hurt because they gave Germany eight-time European champions such a game. And and it was it was a match where there were so many moments where the momentum of the game could have changed. As we said, Germany had chances late on before they wrapped it up through, through Pop's charging down Zinsberger, and, and we'll talk about that, I'm sure, in a moment. But Clara Bull missed an absolute sitter. I mean, it was so bad that the Germany players on the sidelines actually started laughing because it was one of those that if you don't laugh, you'll cry. So they had moments like that. They hit the woodwork a couple of times as well. But Austria as well, hitting the woodwork at nil-nil through Georgieva. She came in for Schnaderbeck, who had been struggling with an injury. She was left on the bench, which which was a miss for Austria. But you have to say, Georgieva did so well coming in. And after that, Dunst hit the, the bar from range as well and Puntigam too. So th- there was all these turning points where it could have gone in Austria's favour as much as it could have gone in Germany's. I think Germany in the end do what Germany do, which is win. Mm-hmm. I mean, that they are such an experienced team and they found a way to do that. They will look at that and say, you know what, overall we deserved it. I think Austria will look at that and say, if we'd managed to equalise and take that to extra time, we would have deserved that as well. But I mean, they wanted it to be another fairy tale Austria. They, meet, they reached the semi-finals on their major tournament debut five years ago, not to be falling in the last eight this time. But if we talk about fairy tales, we've got to talk about Alexandra Pop because what a fairy tale mm. this tournament is turning into for her. Great story. And again, it had to be, didn't it? That she was the one that got the second goal and just put the game to bed. Um, both of those goals, Katie, really you're looking at the fault of Zinsberger and the fact that they were trying to play out from the back. It wasn't completely her fault because, of course, that's the instruction she's under. But you look back and you do think you shot yourself in the foot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, you have a game plan, you have a way of playing, but you see within the game, you know, it was being closed down and there was a couple of occasions where it was so close that she could have won the ball. And I think if you look at the angle where she comes from to close that down, like why has she tried to go that way, you know, go the opposite way? And I think in that moment, you know, she sort of panicked and, and it's happened, but it is that, it's like risk, you know, versus getting rid of the ball, you know. If it's happened on a couple of games, just get rid of the ball. And, and especially mm. in a big game like this, you know, because you can see the second, it's done, game's over. And Katie, the one thing we've got to say about Austria in this, yes, they've gone home, but they've reached a quarterfinal. Their first debut tournament, they got to a semi. This isn't a fluke, is it? This is an Austria team that have got some real substance. Do you know what? I really like Austria. I think I liked them when they played against England and all. I was like, I was really amazed by them. I was like, wow, they actually play really, really good football. They're really physical. And I think, which they showed tonight against Germany, you know, they could compete with them physically as well on the pitch. And I've been impressed by the way they've played. And, and I like when they do try and stick to a game plan and they try and play the way they want to play. But I think, you know, they just need to eliminate their risks. And another observation, I suppose, Vicky, is, is the finishing. Sometimes the final ball as well. They managed to create so much, yet they just couldn't get that that clinical chance. 
I think that was it. And if you go and look at the Lena Magul goal that Germany went ahead through, that was the difference. And Germany were wasteful as well. You know, they, as we said, they could have wrapped it up beforehand. But I think what was so impressive was the the way that Germany's players connect, the way that they understand each other, but also just that wavelength, the, the way that they leave the ball. I mean, Pop there, she's not going to, for, for that first goal with Magul, the ball is played in from the left-hand side and Pop leaves it so brilliantly. It's a great finish by McGull, low into the bottom corner. Pop won't get the assist for that because she didn't touch the ball, no. obviously. She deserves an assist for that. It was a brilliant piece of play. She's having, a, she's having enough, Vicky. She's getting enough of the limelight. <laughs> She'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, four four goals in a row now here at, at Euro 2022 for Alexandra Pop. She's equaled Heidi Moore's record of scoring in four successive Euro final matches for Germany. But Moore didn't achieve that at the same tournament. So she's the first player to do it at the same tournament for any nation. And we used the word fairy tale earlier. It is that. I mean, this is a player who she's been to three World Cups. She's won an Olympic gold medal, but because of injury, she missed Euro 2013. She missed Euro 2017. And the irony is she would have missed this tournament had it been played last summer when it was originally scheduled for, of course, everything as in the men's game knocked on a year because of COVID. But she picked up an injury in the May. She only came back in March. So she would have missed this tournament. And the fact that, again, she... Yes, she came on in, in the first match for Leah Schiller, but she's only starting, certainly the, the last two group games, because Schiller was out with COVID. Now, Schiller was back on the bench today. Schiller's not getting back into that starting lineup because Alexandra Pop <laughs> is just doing fantastically. And I think before the tournament, we, we spoke, didn't we? Where the disappointment of not having a player like Alexia Pateas and the Ballon d'Or winner, what a blow it was for Spain, but for the tournament as well. That is the, the sad story of the Euros. I think the brilliant, joyous story of the Euros is Alexandra Pop in Germany. We also know that those sliding doors moments in football just happen so often. And sliding also centimetres. I think of Dunst and that shot, which could have been a goal of the tournament contender and hits the crossbar. And that's those fine margins in football. What do you think? Because you'll have played against Pop before. Katie and she just seems to have the mentality that you need at that level yeah definitely she's got that mentality I think you know the whole German team have got that mentality they've got the winning mentality and they're they make it really difficult to play against them they hassle you and she is that player that hassles she closed down really really well she puts pressure on all the time and they just make it so so difficult and you know what I'm happy for her in this tournament to miss that many like major tournaments you know through injury that's really hard and to get yourself back fit and you know into the tournament and scoring goals I think for her is amazing. Voss Tecklenburg her coach said about her Alex gave everything for the team she won the ball up top distributed it and kept their centre-backs busy we'd been waiting for this exact moment we'd analysed it and wanted to press them in that way in order to put their goalkeeper under pressure and force them into making a mistake Irene Furman the Austria coach uh, her reaction to this match was it was a hard moment right after the game when we look back the team can feel very proud of how they've played not just today but throughout the tournament we demanded everything from Germany. Uh, 16,025 in attendance in Brentford. So another great number through the gate there, Vicky. What was the atmosphere like? It was great. I mean, there was certainly a good German contingent, a good Austrian contingent. But I think what's so nice, and, and Lucy Walty was co-commentating with me on the BBC tonight, and I spoke about this at the end, 
Austria's players, of course, were devastated to have gone out. But, you know, after they gathered together, they had their debrief, they came over to the fans and there was such joy and such celebration. And, and I was with Five Live for the final match of Northern Ireland at this tournament against England down in Southampton. And it was the same, you know, the Green and White Army were having the biggest party. And I think what's so good is that you're seeing, apart from Norway, Norway is the exception because they've had another shocker, you're seeing the best teams in the world live up to what they can do. Not consistently the whole way through, but, you know, we're seeing some great football from the likes of Germany, France, Spain, England, you know, you could go on. But we're also seeing teams like Austria, like Northern Ireland, who, yes, they've gone out, but their fans and the emotion around those sides is still such a feeling of pride. As Katie was saying, as England fans, we feel proud of the Lionesses. It's it's just, it's so great to see the pride that other countries feel in how their sides have done. And genuine, you know, it's genuine pride, genuine deserved pride. As as Furman says, they will be so proud, Austria, looking back on that performance. But yeah, great atmosphere. Everyone's loving these Euros. And Germany going on now, we know they're going to face one of France or the Netherlands. Can't wait for that match either. Uh, Katie, from a player's point of view, afterwards, from a Germany perspective, they were doing the highlights. And as Vicky rightly pointed out, there was that moment for Ball where she missed that, that open chance. And then afterwards, because it all worked out the way it did, they re-showed on the big screen her laughing at herself, as well as her teammates, as, you, as you'd mentioned. As a player, what lasting effect does that have? It looked like she shrugged it off as if it was nothing because it was a good result. But will it play over again in the semi-final if she plays? Do you know what I don't think? I think if the result was different, yes, it would play in her mind. But I think because they come out of it with a win, you know, and it didn't in the end matter that she missed that opportunity. Of course, they all want to score, but it won't affect her as much because of the result. I think if it was different, then, yeah, definitely it'd play on your mind. But, you know, she's had a good outcome from it. Uh, Up next, we're talking all things Sweden and Belgium. You're listening to the Athletic Women's Football Podcast, Euro Edition. Friday evening sees quarterfinal three take place between Sweden and I would say probably considered the surprise package for this one, Belgium. I know we just discussed Austria, but Belgium definitely up there. Going into this one, how are you feeling about the matchup? Is it as one-sided as we think it looks, Vicky? I think even with illness in the camp, Sweden are an incredibly dangerous side. Before the tournament, I said for for me that the three big favourites going into the tournament for me were Spain, England and Sweden. I covered Sweden a lot at the Olympics last year and they were just unbelievable. I mean, to beat the USA, hardly anyone beats the USA. Yes, Canada did en route to, to the gold medal, but they were so good against the US in the group stage. They only lost that Olympic final to Canada on penalties. And I, I just think Again, they're one of these sides, and I think Germany will think this as well, and and England, I think, that that really think this is our time. That they're a, they're a great they're a great team. I think they're they're big favourites against Belgium, but then Germany were big favourites against Austria, and and that game was a lot closer than I think many of us expected. I think Belgium have done really well to get out of the group. That was a real fierce fight to finish second behind France, and who knows? You know, it, it's it's tournament football, but. A Belgian win would be the biggest shock of the Euro so far. Other than England beating Norway 8-0. <laughs> 
yeah, other than that. <laughs> Got to get that in, yeah. surely, in every podcast somewhere. Um, before the tournament even began, Katie, um, Emma Hayes said that she thought Sweden were favourites to win it. That's who she fancied. Uh, do you think that they've lived up to that billing of one of the favourites? I think they didn't at the start. I think they said themselves, didn't they? They weren't happy with the performance, you know, especially in the attacking third. I think they've, obviously their last game within the group stages, I think pretty much showed, you know, what to expect from Sweden. So I'm sure they've definitely got more more to come. I know defensively they're well-organised, well-structured. You know, they've got their way of playing and their pattern of play. And I'm sure they'll be really, really difficult to play against. I don't know whether you're aware of this, um, but producer Abby. Kate, Carrie Dunn, they swoon over Peter Gahardson. He's their favourite manager. And it's for reasons like this. It's not for other reasons. It's for things that he says. Uh, when asked what he learned about Belgium from the media ahead of this, he said, I have a cat and an interest in music. I don't have time to read the papers. I love the excuse. I, lo- I also love the way Serena talks as well sometimes, I have to say. In terms of manager, Gahard said he seems like that one. And from a player's point of view, Kate, it's great to get your point of view on this, that he protects them. Like statements like this, it's a deflection tactic, right? Yeah, because if you deflect something, you don't have to speak about it, right? You deflect it away. You don't have to give an answer. Um, and I think that's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to protect your players. You know, sometimes we can hang them out there to dry, you know, but we're all human, you know. Players don't play well sometimes and it all connects in other games, you know, and I think it's important that they protect, especially in tournaments like this, you know, you don't want to give anything away to anybody. So protect your players and be in the best place you can be. Does that make you run a bit harder, a bit faster, put in a tougher tackle when you're doing it for a coach like that with all his eccentric ways? Yeah, you know, it's important to play, to want to play for your manager and play for your coach. And I think that's why England, you know, are doing so well. They all seem like they want to play for Serena. You know, she's got a really comfortable camp there. They all look happy. And I think if your players are happy in a camp, you know, what goes on behind closed doors and what you say, keep it in that space because that's for you and the players. You know, it's not for anyone else. And what else he had to say here, Vicky, is that Hannah Glass, who tested negative for COVID, he refused to confirm whether she would be part of his plans, saying, I don't want to give the Belgium team any advantages, which again goes to show he's just keeping his cards close to his chest, isn't he? Yeah, absolutely. And I I think that's the right thing to do tactically. You know, at this stage in a tournament, we know it's knockout football, there's no second chances. Why would you give aside any any marginal gains? Or, or, or if you do, that's almost a tactic in itself, isn't it? You know, if he says, oh, she definitely will or she definitely won't, then you're almost doing that for a reason. I don't think managed, well, maybe some of them are just very candid, but I, I think when you get to this stage, when you get to this level of management, there's always a reason behind things. And we talk so much about marginal gains and whether Serena Vigman is going to be the marginal game. I mean, the, the margin is getting bigger and bigger in terms of how she's influencing the team and the impact that we're seeing her have. But, you know, it's it's, it's all of those things. And, and I wouldn't call it mind games. It's, it's just what possible advantage can we get in every aspect? And that is just the attitude in elite sport. And, and I think we're seeing it here with that approach. Aslani, for you, has she been standout, Katie? She's a quality player, Aslani. I think she's got a lot to offer. I don't always think we see the best of her within games, but she's got unbelievable, she's unbelievable talent and quality. And she can bring, you know, the winning mentality and the win to the game. She can score goals. I think she's got more to come. So what is that more? What have you what can you see that we can't that's still there to come? I think she's got so much experience as well behind her. I think she'll bring a lot into the Swedish team, you know. I think just, just to get herself, you know, more involved um, within the games. And, and just, I think she needs to score more goals. 
We're going to park that one there for now. <laughs> we'll park Sweden. In my opinion, I don't think we've covered Belgium nearly enough, given the tournament they're having. But we're going to make amends right now. We are going to get the Belgium point of view on this quarterfinal. And joining us now, it's reporter Dirk Deferma. Dirk, you're at Lee Sports Village. What is the mood like in camp ahead of this match? It's already a bit more tactical before the matches. In the group phase, it wasn't like this. It was like everybody just playing three games and they, they would uh, uh, see in the end where they would get. But now it's just one game and there really is a tactical play going on at press conferences. It's, uh, now it's, it's for real. It does feel at the moment, and I don't know whether you've sensed this from the outside, that Belgium have been considered the surprise package. We all know that there's one nation that gets through, that not everybody is tipped. How have the team and the manager coped with that? Well, I think that they uh, very well uh, know that. And um, before the, the Euro started, they said we will have to overperform to go to the quarterfinal. And that's exactly what happened. They had to beat three nations or get the better of two nations who are uh, higher on the FIFA ranking. And that's that's uh, a very good performance against uh, Iceland. The one point managed to be enough and then they beat Italy and then uh, they're in the quarterfinal. So they're very happy to be there. They are relaxed. They haven't got anything to lose. But that doesn't mean that they are going to play some free-flowing football because uh, they are at their best if they play in the organization. They've got a very good goalkeeper. They're very good at defending. So um, that's where they start from. And then they are going going to try and hurt uh, Sweden. And what has the reaction been like back at home to that as well? Has there been more interest in this tournament now because of the progress they've made? Well, unfortunately, it's too soon. <laughs> that mm-hmm. sounds uh, very, very uh, strange, I think, because this is quite a, a performance. Uh, but um, I think um, normally like 400,000 people uh, watch the games on television, the game of the Red Flames of the women's uh, soccer team, uh, football team. And I think that they will see in the morning, so on Saturday morning, what happens. And if that happens to be the the semi-final, then they will maybe become crazy, but not earlier. We heard you say Red Flames there. Why why are they called the Red Flames? Well, the nickname of the Belgian team in English is uh, the Red Devils. Uh, Like Manchester United? Yeah, the the Belgian uh, male team, I mean, men's team. They are the Red Devils. (laughs) And, uh, and why, why do we use English names? Because we've got three languages in the country. We've got German, the smallest group. We've got French and then the biggest group. They are Dutch, like I am. And then always they come up with English names. And that's like a big marketing uh, thing. And that's something very, very important to important people. And then from one moment off, they introduced the Red Flames and it works. It does. We like it. So what has Yves Sunil's been saying about Sweden? Mm -hmm. Not very much, but uh, what he said is, um, I know very well how strong they are. We analysed them. We saw a lot of matches. That's what uh, Justine van Havermaat, who was at the press conference, uh, said as well. She she plays Reading uh, in the Super League in in your Mm -hmm. country. And, yes. uh, well, there's, there's a lot of, 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 of knowledge about Sweden. 
they pretend not to know everything, but I'm quite sure they know everything. And I, they even know about possible weaker spots and they will try to make use of it. I'm so intrigued by how a team like Belgium would set up against Sweden because you've already alluded to the fact that the pressure's off them. Certainly the pressure is on Sweden. They've been one of the the pre-tournament favourites. So do the team go in with a mentality of, of, of blocks of time, I don't know, 10 or 15 minutes to just try and frustrate, then make it another 10 or 15 minutes and hope that something comes with a counter-attack? Or do you think that the frustration could go all the way and that this team are prepared for penalties? I think they are prepared to penalties. They trained on penalties. Right. Our goalkeeper, Nikki Evrar, already took two penalties, uh, catched two penalties in the tournament. So she is prepared uh, like nobody, I think. But, uh, well, there's a long way to go before you are at penalties. But um, I think if you if you picture the, the match against France, that's what you can ex- expect. France attacked from the beginning, scored an early goal. Belgium equalized. Um, they did not expect to equalize, I think. And from then on, the, wet, the, the match became quite level. Even if France scored again a second one, after that, there was not much that happened anymore. So if they can do something like that, and then try and surprise Sweden with one more counter-attack or uh, equalize in the end, uh, mm-hmm. like England did yesterday, then you've got your pro- prolongations. And, uh, well, that, that's, that's the way I think the, the Belgian uh, mentality about uh, playing this game is, is... They will wait. They will wait. They will sit and wait. My imagination now is running away with itself because now you've just plotted the game plan for me. I can see this going nil-nil, nil-nil extra time, Belgium being delighted with that. And then the love for Everard. We've already got some on this show, actually, Dirk. We had Kiever O'Neill, one of our writers for The Athletic, do a whole piece dedicated to goalkeepers. And Everard came out very near the top. We've got a lot of love for her. She could be the star, couldn't she? She should be the star. Not only because I like her very much, but there's also a, a very interesting uh, story. Uh, maybe you know, maybe you don't know, but she's a professional player, but she, she can't sit still. She needs to do something. She's got bouncy castles for rent. That's her company that does that. No. That's her extra. That's what she does in holidays. So that's a really, really nice story, everybody. <laughs> Loves it, and and we brought it in the newspaper just before with uh, the tournament with pictures and everything. Uh, well, I saw it in in a Swedish newspaper yesterday, so they took that from me. <laughs> but uh, it's it's a good story, you know. Oh, it's brilliant. This is another image that I love. And also, in a weird way, it's sort of in keeping with goalkeeping, the bouncing around and being all over. Yeah, I like that thought. So there have been a lot of illnesses in the Sweden camp as well. They wouldn't want to be on a bouncy castle right now. Um, Do you think that's also appetising? Well, um, I'm not sure because... It's appetizing, of course, and, and I'm sure they know that and they want to make advantage of that. Uh, but they don't they want everybody to get well soon, of course. But when you're ill, you're ill. And well, the only rumor we can get, uh, um, how do you say that, uh, confirmed is that the left and the right back of Sweden, Glass and Andersson, they won't play and all the others will be ready. That's what we were told. 
And well, that's okay. Justine van Avermaat said, uh, sad for them, but uh, we, won't, we will try and take advantage of that or make adva an advantage of that. So uh, no mercy. <laughs> no mercy. I'm looking forward to this match now. So I'm going to go after this discussion, I'm going nil-nil and Belgium to win on penalties then. Um, what's your prediction? I hope you are right. <laughs> but I'm afraid to say nil-nil. I can't see nobody's score in this match. Let's say 2-2 two, two, and then penalties. Oh, wow. Well, that would be one, quite the match. 1-1, one, one, 120 minutes, 2-2. Two, two. I'm just fantasizing, but uh, it, will, it would be great. Oh, well, thank you so much, Dirk, for your time. We'll let you get back to your duties. Enjoy the match. Thank and you, you never know, we could potentially speak again if this goes any further. We will play England then. Isn't that uh, true? Yes. And then we will have to do a big preview with you. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Thanks very much. Dirt Deferma there. Well, if you had a side hustle, because I love that bouncy castle story, uh, what would your dream one be? Katie, have you got a side hustle? I've always wanted to do the princess parties. So my brother runs like a princess themed thing. I want to be one of the princesses, but I can't sing. So I can't be one, which is really unfair. <laughs> oh, I was going to yeah. say Sean Williamson, who you've been meeting at the box parks, but he can't really be a princess. Maybe, well, maybe I'll he can practice. be a princess. Maybe I'll practice with him, the singing. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Vicky? So uh, Karen Barzi gave me this idea, actually, uh, when we were doing the, the opener at Old Trafford for Five Live. So commentators all make notes in, in different ways. I do it with little stickers and highlighters. And she was absolutely fascinated. She said, I'd love a copy of that. So so we, we made an agreement. If I'd, I'd, And again, I'm, I'm not superstitious, but I don't want to spell it out. If certain things happen at this tournament... I'm going to be doing her a, a a little version of her own, my commentary notes uh, from from the Wembley game. But uh, but I I said I'll give it to you for free. But I could charge, couldn't I? You, I could say right. You could. <laughs> there there you go. You could. I'll, uh, I'll I'll take some money for that. But uh, but I've already told her. I've already told her I'll do it for free. So uh, but maybe maybe one for the future. Doesn't doesn't Clive Tildesley do something like that with his? commentary notes i think yeah yeah i think you yeah you can get the ones that clive do people love them i mean if, if there's a special game or a game that means a lot to you it's it's quite a fun memento isn't it so my handwriting is nowhere near neat enough i can't make any side okay. hustle from anything that that has to do with my handwriting um predictions please for sweden belgium where do we think this one's going is it going to be done in 90 minutes is it going to extra time is it going to be the first one that goes to penalties I'm going to say Sweden in 90. I mean, I, I just, I can't, I can't see past them. I think Belgium have done so well. I like them as a side, but I, I just, yeah, Sweden for me. Katie? The same. I think I'm going with Sweden too. I think they've just got more than Belgium have, unfortunately. We've made it a hat trick and hopefully Black Stenius gets one because she was my tip for top goal scorer. There we go. And that's it for another Athletic Women's Football podcast. A big thank you to Vicky for coming straight from a commentary to do this. To Katie as well, who's been very busy and still recovering from that England win. Uh, Dirk as well for finally giving us a Belgium view. Well done to producer Abby for getting him on. Uh, what games are you all doing next then? Katie? I'm just going to watch the um, at the box park again. The Amazing. They, so they really have booked you up ahead. They've booked me up ahead, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about you? Well, Vicky? England are definitely there, aren't they? So, Oh, England are definitely there. So that's, that's you sorted on Tuesday night, uh, yeah. Vicky. 
So I can't wait for this. I'm doing Netherlands, France, <gasps> the final quarter final for Five Live, which for wow. me, obviously, uh, as an England fan, England, Spain was great. But that for me, Netherlands, France is the pick of the ties. I think that is going to be outstanding. And uh, then we'll be heading off to Sheffield for the semi final for England versus TBC, which I can't wait for for Five Live as well. So, uh, yeah, really, really looking forward to it. It's a tournament that I think's really lived up to expectations and great to see. The Lioness is doing so well. I'll be seeing you up there. I say Sheffield. I don't know because I think accommodation is difficult. I might not even be in Sheffield, but I'll be (laughs) in the vicinity somewhere. Um, Don't forget to follow or subscribe to our channel and make sure you keep telling people about us. Leave a five-star review. That would be lovely to get a few of those in during the tournament, especially if you've been enjoying our daily, yes, daily updates. There aren't many um, offerings out there that are giving you daily roundups. Um, I always have to sign off with a goodbye in a different language and I've already used up English now so I don't think I'm going to get that one back. I'll go with German, shall I? Seeing as Germany went through. Auf Wiedersehen. The Athletic.